Hi everyone, this is Dave from Geekanoids and welcome to another Geek Out with Geekanoids for Friday the 13th of March 2015. Now as always in this podcast, I want to welcome you and I will be starting with a look back at the videos that I published to the Geekanoids channel last week. I also want to talk to you about the new MacBook that Apple recently uh, launched and I want to talk to you about mini PCs and whether there is a place for one in the Geek Noise studio or editing room. And then a new segment in this podcast, I'm going to talk to you about a little business idea that I've had. Not something that I'm necessarily going to do myself, but just something that's going to give you food for thought if you're looking for new business ideas. So let's kick things off with a look back at the videos I published to the channel last week. And of course, I unboxed the brand new Nintendo 3DS XL. And this was the special Majora's Mask limited edition with the gold faceplate and the Majora's Mask graphic on the front. And yes, it plays the same games. Yes, it's got the same size screen and the same specifications as the regular new Nintendo 3DS XL but it looks a little bit different, a nice glossy finish to it and nice box graphics as well. And of course it has the Majora's Mask game actually pre-installed on the console. Uh, I urge you to have a look at that video because I love my casual gaming. I do the majority of my gaming on either my iPhone 6 or my iPad Air. I've had Nintendo 3DS's before and going back from there, I've had Nintendo Game Boy going back before then. I had the sort of Game & Watch back in the early days. And um, I've always loved just casual gaming. Of course, I do play games on the next generation consoles as well, the PS4 and the Xbox One. But I just enjoy the fact that I can just grab a game very quickly and play for five or 10 minutes sometimes longer, but normally five or ten minutes, and then I can get back to doing whatever else I've got to do throughout the day. So the Nintendo 3DS XL really does have a place in my sort of gaming schedule as such, and it's a nice portable unit and beautifully made with some really good improvements in this particular version. I also published my top five smartphones, and I love doing the top five videos. I've done quite a few recently, and this particular one met with quite a lot of comments that were saying the number one spot was predictable. Now, I'm not going to spoil it, spoil it in this podcast. If you want to see what my number one smartphone is, then please do check that video out. Uh, but the comments were just funny because people were saying, yeah, yeah, we knew which it was. Well, what you've got to understand is that everyone's top five is different. Everyone's going to have a favorite smartphone. And in the mix, in my top five, you'll find some nice surprises. So it's a, it's a good watch. I've thoroughly enjoyed recording it anyway, regardless of the comments. Um, and I, I just really would like you to look at it, have a watch. And also what's been happening with the top five videos, especially with the smartphone video, is I invited you to share your top five smartphones in the comments. And it's really interesting to look through your top fives as well. So get involved, watch the video, and then drop me a comment on it. I also did a couple of Apple Watch videos. Now the first one I did was pretty much immediately after the Apple Spring Forward keynote event, where Apple launched 
a new MacBook. I'll talk to you about that in a minute. And they also gave us more details about the Apple Watch. And my initial reaction to the whole uh, slew of announcements was in that first video. And then I had time to digest some extra information about the Apple Watch. And I made a second video that really went through my thought process of how I'm going to be selecting which Apple Watch I purchase myself. It's gonna be a personal purchase. Apple don't send me review products for the Geek and Noise channel. They used to many, many years ago, uh, but they don't any longer. So I have to make that purchase, spend my own money on it. And it's, it's a, a difficult process because they price things so closely together to go up to the next model, i.e. from the sport model to the collection model with the stainless steel finish, that you're almost tempted just to add that extra couple of hundred pounds just to go up to the next model. And with a category of product that's in its infancy, it's important you make the right decision. This is a first gen product from Apple. So um, watch that video, see what my thought process was. I also talk about the absolutely shocking, amazing prices on the, uh, the gold version, so the solid gold version of the Apple Watch, and the difference in prices when you swap uh, bracelets or watch straps. Wow, unbelievable premium prices for swapping out the entry level strap for the next sort of level strap up. Now, I'm not having a go at people. People will spend their money, the big money, on the gold version of the Apple Watch. And that's fine, that's fine by me. It's a fashion statement, it's gonna look fantastic. Functionality is the same all the way across the range. So do bear that in mind. But that happens with normal timepieces as well. If you watch my videos regularly, you'll know that I'm a watch collector. And even with the likes of a Rolex or um, a Patek Philippe, or a, or a Panerai, or no, Panerai I don't think do solid gold ones, but there are other, other brands as well. You can buy a stainless steel version and you can spend two times or three times the amount and buy a solid gold version or even a white gold version of the same watch. And yeah, the functionality stays the same. So it's very similar, uh, but dissimilar at the same time because I, I regard traditional timepieces a lot different to a piece of technology, i.e. a smartwatch. Anyway, that's a look back at the videos that I published last week. I will leave uh, some show notes below the podcast with links to the videos I've mentioned, so please do check them out. If you don't watch my videos, then a bit of shameless self-promotion here, head on over to youtube.com forward slash Geekanoids. Now, before I talk to you about the new MacBook, I just want to talk to you about some new content I've actually launched. If you head on over to the Geekanoids website, which is at geekanoids.co.uk, there is a premium tab on the website. You can also access that by going to geekanoids.co.uk forward slash premium. And I'm putting my long format reviews in this section of the website. And there's the option to either rent the video or purchase the video outright. If you rent it, you get 30 days to watch it. You can watch it as many times as you want within that 30 days. And if you purchase the video, then you can download it DRM-free and watch that on multiple devices that you own. So please do check that out. 
I put a lot of work in to the uh, premium content and to the full length real world reviews. And uh, I just urge you to just have a look. You know, if you can have a look, give me some feedback. I'm sure you'll find the content very, very valuable indeed, especially if you're planning on making a purchase in the category that the reviews fit into. So now let's talk to you about the announcement of the new MacBook. Yes, there were rumors that this was gonna happen. We were expecting like a, a Retina Display MacBook Air, but instead Apple launched what they're calling the new MacBook. And it has a lot of new features in it as well as obviously a Retina Display. Now it's got a 12 inch high resolution Retina Display. This is the first time for many, many years that we've had a 12 inch laptop from Apple all the way back to the PowerBook 12 inch version, the PowerBook G4 which I do still own, and it does still work. Uh, if I do manage to get a new MacBook into the studio to test, then I will show you it alongside that PowerBook G4. That make a really cool video, actually. Now, the new MacBook's got a lot of new technologies inside. It has a USB-C connector on one side of the laptop, and that is used for charging the laptop and also it's used for breakout cables which give you access to things like Ethernet, an SD card reader, uh, USB 3.0, etc, etc. So there will be various adapters available. The only other connector on the new MacBook is on the opposing side which is a headphone jack. I don't even think, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think it's a microphone input as well. I think it's purely a headphone output. This is also the first MacBook to have an all metal design. So even the hinge, which on other versions of Apple laptops is plastic, is now all metal and it's got an integrated metal hinge mechanism. So really very cool there. It's got a new trackpad as well that doesn't physically click. It uses a haptic, or is it called taptic feedback? I don't know, one or the other. They dream up these words and basically uh, when you touch the trackpad and, and sort of try to click it, there is some vibration feedback which makes it feel like you're clicking it. And it's also got uh, multi-pressure uh, levels of sensitivity on the trackpad. Uh, so the harder you push has different effects and different gesture controls with the application that you're interacting with. So they've really put some thought into this. Nice large trackpad as always. Uh, really keen to try it out. They're also bringing this trackpad technology into their other laptops as well. I'm pretty sure it's made its way into the new 13-inch uh, MacBook Pro, maybe the 15-inch as well. I don't think it's in the MacBook Airs yet. Uh, but yeah, new, new trackpad technology, which looks very, very cool indeed. We've also got a new keyboard on the new MacBook, which uses a butterfly hinge instead of a scissor hinge, which is meant to give it uh, a much more even feel, and it looks really good as well. Larger caps on the, the keys as well. Uh, Full-size keyboard on this one, so really looking good. And also new backlighting, individual LEDs for each of the keys to give more even backlighting to the MacBook. In addition to this, they've also given us what they're terming all-day battery life, which is pretty much the same as the existing MacBook Air but they have changed the battery technology inside where you've got these uh, sort of staggered batteries, they're not completely square, 
and they taper to different shapes to fit in with the actual internal structure of the new MacBook to fill up all the existing space or all of the leftover space after the tiny little motherboard's been fitted in so you, you can get a good battery life. I think they said it was like a 35% increased battery life over and above what it would have been if they just used square batteries. Uh, quite low power. I think it, it tops out, it's a, a, a mobile processor, obviously, and I think it tops out at 1.2 gigahertz on the top end model, which is about 1,249 pounds, something like that. And there's also the entry level one, which is 1,049 pounds. Both of them come with eight gigabytes of RAM. The difference between two models as well is the lower model has 256 gigabytes of storage and the higher end model has 512 gigabytes. Now, where does this fit in to the whole scene, to the whole sort of lineup of Apple MacBooks, MacBook Pros and MacBook Airs? Well, I think eventually this particular model, the new MacBook, is going to replace the MacBook Air. The MacBook Air did get a little update in this recent announcement. I think next time around they won't update the MacBook Air, they will phase it out and this new MacBook will replace it. Where does it fit in for people using or deciding what to purchase? Well, if you think about your use case scenario for your existing uh, laptop, and I'll use myself as an example, I've got a top-end 15.4-inch Retina MacBook Pro, <clears throat> very expensive machine, and I do a lot of work on it, but if I look really seriously about how I use it. For the main part, I use it for web browsing, I use it for social networking, I use it for my emails, I use it for creating keynote presentations, Excel spreadsheets, pages documents, and the very, very occasional Photoshop work and very, very occasional editing of a video. And that's because I own a desktop machine as well. I hardly ever plug external peripherals in. I can't remember the last time I used the USB ports on it. I can't remember ever plugging an external microphone into it. I can remember using the SD card memory slot. So that's imp an important feature to me. So if I went for the new MacBook, I would have to buy an SD card uh, reader or adapter for it. Now, when I purchased my Retina MacBook Pro, I thought to myself, I need the top M1. I justified purchasing it because I produce a lot of videos and I thought if I'm away from my desktop, then I need something that's gonna process videos nice and quickly. Now, it did help me out when I sent my Mac Pro off to be exchanged because it developed a fault. And that's the only time it really helped me out with some uh, sort of high-end video editing. If I didn't have my Mac Pro, then I think the only choice, if you do video editing or a lot of photo work, is to buy a MacBook Pro, either a 13-inch one or a 15-inch one. I think if you have a desktop computer and you're looking just for a mobile solution, then the new MacBook is perfectly placed to give you just such a very, very thin and lightweight and capable machine for doing all of those other tasks that I mentioned. Now, of course, it has still managed video editing. But when I say 
video editing, it won't handle big prod projects. I wouldn't do 4K video editing on it, but for editing a five or 10 minute video in 1080p, I'm sure it's more than capable of doing that. Obviously the processing or rendering time of the video will be a little bit longer, but I'm sure it will work fine for doing things like that. But for the most part, this is a, a mobile Ultrabook for the user that wants to get something done uh, whilst they're traveling around, they go to meetings uh, every other day, they work away from the office, or they just want a very portable machine. It's also ideal for students that want to do a lot of their work on a very portable machine. Again, uh, they're doing office work or using pages or using the Microsoft uh, suite of applications. Again, it's ideal for that. So I think Apple have got it right. They've done this before, they've removed the optical drive, they removed ports from machines and they say you don't need them. And now they're saying all you need is one port, everything else is gonna be connected wirelessly. And for the most part, until people uh, get used to the idea, they are right, you know. So they have researched this and they're gonna push the boundaries and they're gonna make people think in these new ways. And that makes new technologies develop as well. So I think they've really made the right move. I will try and get one into the Geekanoid studio to test, bring you my thoughts on it. It's available April 10th, 2015. Now, I mentioned I wanna to talk to you about a new segment I'm thinking about introducing to the podcast. And it came about because my mind is continually working and trying to think of new ideas and new angles for content. And I always come up with business ideas as well but they're not necessarily business ideas that I'll put into action, but I'm happy to share them with you. Maybe you're trying to think of something that you can start up yourself. So I'm gonna share with you a business idea that I had just yesterday, and it goes something like this. I hate DIY, and I also have no vision as to how I can improve my house or my working environment. So I was thinking of something like a DIY buster, where you would set up a service and invite people to come in and they could either bring in a selection of photos of their house or perhaps their workplace or a video of their house and they would show you this and say to you along the lines of, this isn't working for me, you know, I don't like this particular space in my house, it feels cramped or I've got this issue with my house, or I need easier access, uh, or they could just present you with the photos or the video or both and just say to you, you know, I want you to improve this. I want you to improve my lifestyle. So you would leave it with them for 30 minutes and then you would have an hour's consultation with them and they would actually tell you how you could improve the flow of your house, whether you need to remove some internal walls, whether you need to just do this sort of decorating, what color goes with this, what sort of furniture you should be looking at, maybe you could rearrange your furniture in a certain way, and they would fix, give you a quick fix, and an action plan, maybe a, a, a written report of how you could improve your house or your business place, your place that you actually work. And it's, it's still in its early stages in my mind, but I was just thinking that would be a service that I would probably use myself. I wouldn't mind giving them a walkthrough of my house 
and a hundred pounds and saying, hey, fix this, you know, come up with some ideas of how I could improve the uh, look of the entrance hall and the lounge of my house. So I think that would be a very valuable service for somebody who would be qualified to give me that sort of information. So that's it. That's the first idea. I'm just sharing ideas with you. As you know, these podcasts that I produce are my chance to sort of just sit back or at a moment I'm walking around my studio just to relax and just share some thoughts with you. And the final thing I want to share with you today is what I've been thinking about purchasing. And I'm in two minds whether to do it. And it's really the the title of this podcast, to mini PC or not to mini PC. Now, for a long time, I always had an Apple Mac mini as a backup computer, so mini Mac. And also for a long time, I've had various Windows-based PCs and laptops come into the studio, uh, be tested. I've uh, done reviews on various uh, PC machines that run Windows, and then they go again. I've had no inclination really to keep them myself. And of course, I've done PC builds as well, where I've got the components in and actually assembled my own PC. And I was thinking to myself, I really do need some sort of PC or system that I can experience uh, Windows 8.1 as it stands today, and in fact Windows 10 uh, in its public beta release at the moment, and when it's actually launched to the public as well, I should be in a position to experience that and to talk to you about it. And it also gives me uh, a more open attitude to other operating systems. And I think the problem I've had previously is because I don't use Windows as a platform, my platform of choice is Mac OS X, I don't feel comfortable investing a lot of money into a Windows-based PC. So I've been looking at the HP Pavilion Mini, which is a tiny little PC. It comes in, I think, three different configurations uh, with three different uh, processors. Uh, the mid-range one's got a Celeron processor, and I think the top-end one has got a Intel Core i3 processor. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, I'm sort of considering getting the, the top-tier one with the Core i3 processor. It comes in at around about £349. But I'm unsure whether to push the button on it on uh, either Amazon or the HP website purely because I want to be sure that I'm going to get the use out of it and it's going to perform adequately just to give me an experience of the operating system. I'm not going to be doing video editing on it. I'm purely going to be maybe organising some photos and just experiencing the various features of the OS. So I wanted to put it out to you. If any of you have experienced these little mini PCs and in particular the HP Pavilion Mini and if you think that would satisfy my need to be able to experience the Windows 10 and Windows 8.1 platforms. I did notice when I was doing my research on the Pavilion Mini that the uh, American models in the USA actually seem more expandable. They have um, two memory card slots, uh, one of which is occupied by a uh, memory card, the other one is free for you to upgrade. And when I looked at the UK version with the same model number, it only had one memory card slot. So I'm a bit sort of 
concerned about that, that we've had uh, a sort of model that they've sort of made it harder to upgrade or impossible to upgrade. I wasn't sure why they would do that, what their thought process was behind it. So I'm gonna do a little bit more research myself. If you have got any suggestions for me, then please do feel free to tweet me at Geekanoids. And that's it for this week's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed my musings about the various things that have captured my attention in the technology world in the past week. Thank you for listening. I hope you join me again next week for another Geek Out with Geekanoids.